0: Jose is the word of the day for Friday, September 24th, 2021. Tomorrow, September 25th, 2021 is a Saturday. There isn't a show on Saturday. So today is the day I'm going to talk for a few minutes about Jose Fernandez as it has been five years since his passing, since the accident that took his life and two others on a boat in the middle of the night. On a Saturday night in Miami, I ran out to the jetty, to the rocks where the crash happened in the years since then. I've probably been there four or five times, and as time passes, it doesn't get easier. So much death, I have gone through so much death recently, actually. And I keep wondering, when does it get easier? When do you start processing things differently? Or when does the pain go away? And it turns out it, it doesn't go away. I'm, I'm trying to articulate exactly how I feel about it. it. The edge gets a little cleaner. But the waves, they come just as hard but less frequently. So when you've got big waves of grief that come to you and they are frequent, you have to be in the ready position at all times. When they become less frequent, you can snorkel and look at fish, pay attention to your surroundings, look at the sunrise, the sunset, look for dolphins and whales, knowing that there will be another wave coming, but you've got some time. The problem is when you've got a multiple year streak of death, which everybody deals with, even if the waves are coming less frequently, if you are dealing with multiple levels of grief, then there's different levels of waves that are coming more frequently. And I'd say that's where I am. Jose Fernandez's daughter, Penelope, is turning five years old in February. His girlfriend, Maria, fiance Maria is raising her and she's an amazing little girl, bilingual in school, incredibly cute, looks just like Jose, has a huge personality. Maria is raising Jose's daughter, teaching her about her father who she has and will never meet. Jose's mother Maritza is still dealing with the loss of a child, which is the unthinkable loss that you don't get over. The waves never become less frequent. For Maritza, the grief is every day just as large as it was day one when everyone was in shock. I think about the team that we had in 2016 and what we went through together during those days following September 25th. I think about D. Gordon hitting the home run off Bartolo Colon to lead off the first game the next day, September 26th even though Bartolo Colon threw him a meatball, he still have to hit the home run. I think about Adam Conley, who's back in the big leagues, I believe. And I think about the words he said, he's a religious guy, the words he said in the clubhouse on September 25th. I think about Jose's funeral. I think about the trip to Cuba, back to where he grew up, where we did a memorial service, where I attended a memorial service, and I went to where he played as a, as a little boy. I think about what he could have been doing now as a 29-year-old in the big leagues. I think about what I'd be doing now if I were still with the Marlins, if Jeffrey Laurie hadn't sold the team, which he sold because Jose passed away and he had unspeakable grief. It's just a strange thing to have, to be that close to a player and to have that type of tragedy. We've all had tragedy in our lives. I think we can agree on that. We've all had to go through incredible, painful, present moments and try to figure out what to do with them, how to move forward. It doesn't stop, right? The, the anxiety I feel about Jose's death, the feeling, reliving the phone call that I got that morning of September 25th, replaying everything in your head, all the little moments, that you have with people who pass away before their time, looking at pictures. I have pictures of Jose and things that, things that he and I did together. And I look at them and I, I'm thankful for the moments. That's it. We still love you. And we will always love you Penelope and Maria and Maritza. And we miss you Jose. And we will always tell your story. I promise that five years tomorrow since Jose died. I did not ever see Jose when he pitched use foreign substances. I still am on record that all pitchers used them. I saw some cuz some were obvious, some were less obvious. When you're sitting next to the dugout, you can see the ball and you can see when they're taken out of play if you look at them, they they just uh it's not just a dirt that is on them. It's, it's, it's gross, right? You have to wash your hands. And even then, sometimes your, it takes forever to wash your hands. It's sort of like getting turmeric out from underneath your fingernails. If you're on Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel, you can see the turmeric underneath my nails that for whatever reason stays yellow, no matter how many times I wash it feverishly. I never saw all pitchers use them. But as we know, many pitchers used them. And we talked this year about the rash decision that Major League Baseball made to get rid of all foreign substances. We've seen some pitchers become less effective. Some pitchers have adjusted. Some pitchers have gotten hurt. Tyler Glasnow. Some pitchers are less consistent. Garrett Cole. Some pitchers are still unhittable. Max Scherzer, notwithstanding his game against the Rockies yesterday. But what we've always known is what MLB does, is when they've got a problem, they go to the minor leagues to try to workshop a fix. Any rule change that MLB is pondering goes to the minor leagues for testing. Different leagues are guinea pigs, which is why baseball wanted to control the minor leagues, which is why baseball wanted to get rid of the minor league baseball organization, which they have, why baseball wanted to literally control what teams were where, what leagues did what, where, when, and how. And I don't blame baseball for that. I encourage it. I was a part of it. When you run a company, you want to control everything you can about your product. Why do you think that so many companies try to take over the entire supply chain of their products from production on up? Because when you have to rely on somebody else, you lose control. Why does baseball take an ownership position in Rawlings? Same reason. They want to control. So, when baseball is meeting with itself and they're deciding what they want to do with the game, we need more offense. We need less defense. We need less shifting. We need more power. We need more base hits. We need fewer strikeouts. They'll make a list. And then under each item you have proposals. How do we deal with the strikeouts? One of the ways, then you have like a flow chart underneath strikeouts, how to deal with so many strikeouts, you talk about, hey, do we make it four strikes instead of three? Do we make it three balls and four strikes? Do we make it three balls and three strikes? Do we make it two balls and four strikes? What will get players on base? Do we make it six balls and four strikes so no one walks, which is one of the true outcomes, no walking, no striking out, no home runs? Do we make it impossible for players to not get on base, therefore making it impossible for pitchers to last longer into games, which therefore makes games longer? So everything has an impact on everything else. So it's what our job is as executives in baseball to look at a situation. Theo is now the czar of this in theory in baseball, looking at all the different rule changes, understanding the ramifications of each change. It's the pebble in the stream analogy, where when you drop a pebble in the stream, there are ripples, and the smartest and best people in business can figure out what every one of those ripples look like in the stream. People always say, I can see around the corner. That means you can see what's coming in your life, whether it's in your business life or personal life. You can see as lawyers, you get trained to think about what the ripples are, what they will be, and how to deal with them baseball, when they got rid of all the foreign substances, they had to have known that that was not a permanent solution because they had to have known that pitchers rely on it for grip. Grip is required for command. Command is needed for batters to hit because for batters to hit, they need to not be thinking that they're going to get domed. And to think that you're not going to get domed requires pitchers to have command. Do you see how everything is related? So, what baseball did by cutting out the substances, we knew they were going to have to figure out how to get them back. But when you want to get back foreign substances, the best way to do that is to make something universal. I like that. It's not like universal health care, it's not as though I have socialist tendencies, but I am interested in consistency. Consistency for me in baseball is that I understand exactly what every opposing player has in his arsenal. Then the differentiating factor is talent. Imagine going to a duel in the old days like in the gladiator days. And Joaquin Phoenix takes out a blade from his shoe when Russell Crowe just has his hands. Well, that doesn't seem fair. And Russell Crowe goes in thinking, wow, I have my hands and he's got his hands and we all have our hands. In baseball, if certain players are cheating, if they're corking their bats, if they're using some sort of foreign substance that's not legal, like the spider tack, if they're using a sand emery board pitchers in order to impact the ball and the flight of the ball, the hitters have no way to prepare for that. And they have no way to hit that because the ball moves in a way it shouldn't move. So I think we can all agree it's not right. So what baseball is doing exactly as we projected they have developed their own baseball. They're inventing baseballs. And what they're inventing is a baseball that has universal stick. And what they're doing is they're giving it to the minor leagues for the fat last 10 days of the season. Triple A is still going on. And you that's the highest level of minor leagues. And you give the balls to teams and to games. And you say, all right, pitchers, pitch with that. And we're going to take a look. What baseball misses the mark on is that testing the sticky ball with the minor league pitchers, that is not what we need. We need to test it with major league pitchers. We need to give it to the pitchers to hold, to throw bullpens with, and then to use it in spring training against other big league hitters. The next step for these sticky balls may be to use them during spring training next year of 22, but then they have to be ready to implement that and have enough balls made for it to be during the regular season, because MLB cannot go into the regular season next year without a new rule on foreign substances. They've got to allow them again. I understand why they use the minor leaguers. The minor leaguers are great for other such Possible changes. You go to the minor leagues and say, hey, we're going to move your mound back by a foot. Hey, we're going to not allow you to shift two players on either side of second base in the infield at all times. We're going to allow the designated hitter to come back into the game after being taken out. Whatever a possible rule change is, is very different to me than the equipment. And I don't mean having first and third base coaches wear a helmet and you test that at the minor leagues. I don't mean pitchers wearing a helmet and you test that at the minor leagues, which they did and it didn't work because the pitchers couldn't pitch with it. Therefore the major league pitchers didn't. That was back when pitchers were starting, we're getting domed all the time and we were freaking out that someone was going to die on the mound in front of all the fans. But of course time passes Pitchers this year, Bassett got hit in the A's and he's back. He had facial fractures. MLB sighed a huge breath of relief because we just did not want a pitcher to get permanently injured and force pitchers going forward to wear helmets. It's much like after one shoe bomber, now we take our shoes off a TSA or one, you know, candy bomber, and now we have to give up our good and plenty or have them examine it every time you travel. So what I predict is going to happen is that the minor leaguers will use this sticky ball for the next 10 days, and it will not be nearly enough of an example in any way to show baseball whether or not it is the proper level of sticky, whether it's the right sticky that will satisfy the big league pitchers. They're going to have to do more. They will do more. You can count on it. But in the meantime, the minor leaguers continue to be guinea pigs. The minor leagues continue to be A hotbed of possible change, all leading to much ado about the Merry Wives of Windsor. Much ado about nothing. There was an article that came out yesterday that uh, said that Adam Schefter. I'm switching gears. I didn't know how to transition into Adam Schefter. He is an insider for uh, the NFL. If you want information, apparently you follow him on Twitter and he breaks news and he works for a competitor of ESPN. I don't remember which one, but it could be the one in Bristol. He is the one in Bristol. Thank you, Coca. And it was found out that he has made an investment in a gambling company. And it's drew my attention because there were people concerned that there is now a tremendous conflict of interest with him because he works for a gambling company and one of the investors in the gambling company his partner in the gambling company if you will is a guy named Robert Kraft Robert Kraft is the owner of the New England Patriots Adam Schefter's job is to report on the New England Patriots as one of 32 teams in the NFL do we think that Adam Schefter can report in a totally non biased way about the Patriots or about Robert Kraft or about massages or about coaching changes or about teams that are bad, underperforming, mistakes that are made by the team. Do you call out Daniel Snyder as head of the Washington Football Skins if you are partners with him? No. Do you? reveal that Tom Brady is going to be a buccaneer when you've got the news first because you are partners with Tom Brady. No. The conflict of interest is not the issue for me. It is the fact that his job performance, by definition, suffers due to the decision to partner with someone who you are reporting on. It doesn't mean that he will take bad news from Robert Kraft and bury it these days. Stories don't get buried. They get found out. It just means they're going to get reported by someone else. It means that the amount of money that he's being paid by the ESPN to have inside information is only useful if you are willing to report on the inside information that is gleaned from your sources. Just having sources, who gives a crap? You've got to take those sources, use them, and then report on what they're telling you and cite them as sources and never give them up. Never going to give you up, never going to let you down. Now, you think Robert Kraft is going to tell Adam Schefter anything? When we have employees who want to make money in outside endeavors, and this comes up all the time when you are running a team, it comes up all the time when you're running a business. When you've got employees, you are paying them, and here's where the rubber meets the road. I feel that I can exert way more control over employees to whom I'm paying a million dollars versus employees to whom I'm paying $30,000. When I had salespeople making $40,000 on commission, and I knew they had side hustles or side investments, that they were doing things that, hey, I am gonna get a little kickback from a company in order to go to the president of the team and say, hey, let's do business with this company. As a president of a team, or the head of an industry or the head of a company, you have to make decisions every day as to where you draw the line when it comes to the activity of your employees. We had employees who we fired because they were taking complimentary tickets that we were giving them and reselling them. We found out, you're fired. You get access to playoff tickets, you take those playoff tickets and you resell them at a profit to a broker or online or to your friends, you're fired you have an investment in a company that ends up doing business with your team as a sponsor, you're not fired. You get players to sign balls and bats that you then sell, you're fired. You get balls and bats signed, that you then give to clients in order to get more business, in order to get some business, in order to develop business, you're hired. When you are in the communications department and you protect members of the media because you are working with them in another business, you're fired. So you can see that they're different criteria for different situations. When you've got a president of baseball operations who you're paying over a million dollars to, part of what you are paying for is their exclusivity. You will work for me and me only, us and us only. You will not work for a network. You will not go full Jessica Mendoza and work for ESPN, Ambien, consultant for the Mets, you will be employed solely as the president of baseball operations, the vice president of marketing, the chief financial officer. If I find out that the CFO has an investment in an accounting firm and the CFO has told me that he wants to switch accounting firms for our audit and I am not aware of that, he's fired. If I'm aware of it and I approve it, I'm good. Because having an accounting firm where the CFO has an investment and that accounting firm doing the audit does not mean that our CFO will not be able to do his job the way he needs to do it. The way I am paying him, we are paying him, the owner's paying him to do that job. But when you are a reporter, an insider, and you've got a side hustle that includes people to whom you are supposed to have in your quiver of information and sources, I'm drawing the line there. This was a question that was asked, and I forgot to set it up for Coca. This was a So You Want to Talk to Samson. Someone asked, they'd love to hear my thoughts on the fact that Schefter a prominent football reporter is now business partners with an owner of the team he covers. That was the answer without sending it up. Coca. I totally blew that. I'm sorry. Do you want to redo the whole segment? Should we just start over and say, Hey, so you want to talk to Samson it's from the movie half baked and we get questions on Twitter, David P Sampson. And then I could go through the entire thing again. Nah, that's not how we roll. All right. When we come back, we're going to review
1: That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not uh, as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show
0: is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. Coco, was that a better dive into the commercial than yesterday? where I talked for 10 minutes before we sent it to break and you were pissed after the show in our daily recap of the show when you roll your eyes and give me a list of 10 things that went wrong every show, and I love you for it. God bless your soul. We watch a movie every day here. Reviewed Pig yesterday, a Nicolas Cage movie. Going back to back, I spent $6.99 yesterday. $6.99 $6.99 to rent a movie called Prisoners of the Ghostland. It had Nicolas Cage in it. I thought that would be a good back-to-backer. I didn't know at the time that Nicolas Cage met his fifth wife on set. I didn't know the movie was supposed to be filmed in Mexico, and they totally changed it, and it was, became Japanese. Otherwise, Nicolas Cage wouldn't have met his future wife or his future wife wouldn't have been the person who he's currently married to. Although I'm not sure they're currently married because some of his marriages last for five minutes. Prisoners of the Ghost Land is about a guy, Nicolas Cage, who is a prisoner. And he is said that we will set you free, but you have to rescue my daughter. And... (laughs) The person who he's dealing with is named the governor and the governor puts a suit on him. And this reminded me of other movies. And I can't remember which ones right now, which really bothers me. But the suit had bombs all over it. There was a bomb on each arm, a bomb around his neck, a bomb on each one of his testicles. And you had to. Oh, wild, wild west. Thank you, Coca. Nice. And. If Nicolas Cage didn't save this guy's daughter in two days, bombs would go off and he'd be annihilated. And so he's out there trying to save the daughter. And she's in the ghost land. She's a prisoner of the ghost land, which is an area in this dystopian future society that is just insane. The entire movie has a look to it. The cinematography is interesting. It's got a very good look. It's colorful. It is... um, Not worth $6.99 though. (laughs) If you get it on a plane, watch it. If you have to pay for it, it's an H-A-R-D-P-A-S-S. Prisoners of the ghost land. Nope. All right. Ooh, let's do the nothing personal pick of the day because we're going into a weekend. I want to get to that before we talk about, uh, a little more baseball that interests me. Coca is going to decide what we have time for, but I think we're going to get to everything. But we had uh, yesterday the Nats uh, losing to the Reds because Patrick Corbin was pitching. And I forgot to take into account that Juan Soto, you can't get him out. Luis Castillo was a good game, but the Reds lost. The Reds are finished. So we lost that. So I needed to come back and I did. Did you watch the Thursday night game? Too bad McCaffrey got hurt. He signed that extension. He barely plays. He's hurt again. Hurt his hamstring for the Carolina Panthers. Sam Darnold. Get ready, Jets fans. Close your ears. Sam Darnold's undefeated. How do you feel if you're a Houston Texan and you're watching Deshaun Watson not play for you and you're one and two and you stink? You can't score. Ah, It went under 43. That was an easy one. So we're 123 and 103. Let me give you the picks for the weekend. Jack Flaherty is pitching tonight. For those of you who pay attention, on August 25th of 2021, I had to wait to see that Jack Flaherty's season was over. He had some shoulder issues, and I am not screwing around if I'm the Cardinals with Jack Flaherty's shoulder. But then the Cardinals never lost another game. Jack Flaherty said, wait a minute, we're going to make the playoffs. I'm coming back. So Jack Flaherty's pitching tonight. It's a doubleheader, but I'm taking Flaherty and the Cards over the Cubs in the night game. And I'm also taking the no on the wait to see from August 25th. Flaherty is not out for the season. He's pitching tonight. Take the Cardinals over the Cubs. Huge series begins tonight. Weekend series. The Yankees have their playoff destiny in their hands, as do the Red Sox, as do the Blue Jays. Whoever does the best over the nine games, the top two teams in those nine games are going to make the playoffs. One of those three teams is out. Two of those three teams have a chance to be out after one playoff game, but one of those three teams won't even make it. Blue Jays, Yankees, Red Sox. The Yankees play the Red Sox. The Red Sox have owned the Yankees this year. On Saturday, they've got Pavetta going. You know, the Yankees are beating bad teams. They're streaky. They're losing to good teams. They do not have a good record against the Rays or the Jays or the Red Sox. I'm going to go Red Sox over Yankees on Saturday. And then we're going to watch football all day Sunday. I know you will. Why not? John Gruden, who was going to be fired before the season started. Vegas, who's playing now in front of full fans. Not exactly the Penn State whiteout, but it's still awesome in Vegas right now. Gruden has a chance to go to 3-0. I doubt he's been 3-0 with the Raiders before, but I didn't check it. And Coca didn't check it. He doesn't have time to check it, so he's not going to check it. But I see Gruden going to 3-0. and They're only giving four to the Dolphins. For whatever reason, everyone still thinks the Dolphins are good. And uh, they may be, but probably not. Raiders, three over the Dolphins. Actually, the line is four. Cut that, Coca. Ready? 40, 69. On Sunday, we're going with the Raiders, minus four over the Dolphins. Okay, to sum up, we're 123-103. and 103 take the Cards over the Cubs Friday, Red Sox over the Yankees Saturday, and the Raiders giving four to the Dolphins on Sunday. Notice how in there I did not pick the Angels. The Angels are still playing baseball. Otani is still pitching. He's still hitting. He may win the home run crown. He may not. Mike Trout is not playing. Anthony Rendon is not playing. I've told you, I can't say it enough times. The fact that Mike Trout continues to watch October is so bad for the game that it's hard to describe. The networks want nothing more than the big market Anaheim Angels to be playing in October with Mike Trout. Trust me when I tell you they want Mike Trout to be the most marketable athlete in baseball. They want him to be the face of baseball. You can't be the face of baseball when you're on the couch in October. I don't know that I blame Artie Moreno. Well, fans don't because he spends money. But doesn't an owner deserve the blame if you spend money poorly and you have the same results as if you don't spend money? Because shouldn't all you care about as fans is winning? Why? Why is there something for trying? I really don't follow that. This is sports. This is business. This is the world you don't get a trophy for trying. (laughs) That's ridiculous. All these people getting trophies for trying now. I can't even tell you the level of rant I'd like to give you about every little leaguer getting a trophy now. The old participation trophy. You don't get a trophy for participating in a big league game. You get a ring for winning the World Series. You get flags for winning your division that you can put up in your stadium. You don't get anything for signing Mike Trout to a, long, a large, huge extension or having Shohei Ohtani. You don't get anything. Nothing. But they hired a manager and paid him a lot of money. Joe Madden. Remember he won the World Series with the Cubs? He was the chosen one. He went to the World Series with the Rays. The Cubs took him away and Madden and Theo won a World Series. Madden and Theo had a falling out which happens because madden is super good at getting teams to win and then when he's been around a while his shtick can get old the angels said we're gonna bring him home that's where he was when his career started do you know that larry Beinfest wanted to hire joe madden before joe madden ever took a job with tampa and we did not hire him because i said nah he's not experienced we need someone better (laughs) what did i know can you imagine Joe Madden would have been the Marlins manager. And anywho, Joe Madden goes to the Angels. But is there trouble in Disneyland? Joe Madden had a quote yesterday that he should not have said. And if I'm already Moreno, I'm less than happy. He said, Listen, talking to no one in particular, likely a bunch of reporters, what's your agenda next year? Is it to participate in the American League West and hopefully, possibly make it to the end and play a game in October? My point, he continued. We have to get guys who are ready to win right now in that rotation. In order to be where we want to be. Otherwise, you're going to keep perpetuating this method. That's a shot across the bow at his GM, Perry, at his owner, Artie. What he is saying is, if you expect to win, having Trout is not enough. Having Rendon is not enough. Having Otani is not enough. We need veteran pitching ready to win now. None of this young pitching stuff. Joe Madden knew when he came into this season that he would need a Billy Crystal and Carol Kane miracle to make the playoffs because he knew his pitching stunk. Remember back in the day, you Yankee fans, Andrew Heaney started. Love him. He's a draft pick of ours, but he's a big leaguer. Counts as a successful draft pick, but he's not leading your rotation. He's back of the rotation. Otani's not leading your rotation. He's pitching once a week. You can't have a number one starter pitching 140 innings. Your number one starter's got to be 190 to 200. Who else do they have? Reclaims, retreads, hopes, prayers, thoughts, good wishes, which all ended up being losses. But why is Joe Madden going public? When you have a manager who you know is a big time manager, big name, you're paying him multi-millions of dollars, you know your team is underperforming, you know that you're having a hard time winning, you know that you're in an organization that has not won, they have two fewer World Series than the Florida Marlins franchise. You've got to be in contact with your manager because you know very well that you do not want to get embarrassed. You've got to get ahead of that. You've got to see around the corner. If I had a manager like Joe Madden, and I know the frustration is the season's coming to an end, I am speaking to him every day about his frustration, his talking points, what he's going to be asked here in the last few weeks, what we are expecting to do in the offseason. Whether it's true or not, I'm telling the manager, hey, if it ever comes up, just know that we are going to be active on the pitching front. Whether it's by trade or free agency, we are ready to win. We are not going to wait another year we are all in to win. Even if it's not true, I'm telling my manager because I want my manager to say it because I want the media to hear it. And I want you, the fans who are buying season tickets, renewing season tickets, I want you to believe it. I cannot have the manager saying something so negative About our team as we are knee deep in the selling season for next year. And that's what September is. You are knee deep into renewals and you are then ticket renewals and you are then starting to get new full season equivalents when the season ends October, November. You start pushing the Christmas plans, et cetera, because before you know it, it's spring training. It's not a long selling season October, November, December, January, February. Five months, maybe through March, six months, even though the season starts at the end of March. A six month selling season, it's not much. You can't have a setback the way the angels are having this setback right now. You need to have a message that is consistent and you need it repeated over and over again from the owner all the way down to the manager, down to the coaches, down to your people in player development, down to your people in marketing. That is having a cohesive organization-wide message. That is all for one purpose, to get you to spend your money on a team that may or may not have a chance to be decent. Joe's got to do better. It will be interesting to see what happens in that organization this offseason. Well, there are two organizations who have already decided how their next season is going to look in the dugout. Raise your hand if you can name the two worst teams in baseball. Well, one of them is easy because they've been the worst team for three years, I think, straight. The Baltimore Orioles. The Baltimore Orioles are 49 and 104. They are 55 games under 500. 49 times the president of the Orioles went to bed smiling. 104 days he went to bed more angry than the groundhog with Bill Murray. Don't drive angry. The Arizona Diamondbacks, the biggest disappointment of the season. As big a disappointment as the Giants in San Francisco are a surprise. While the Diamondbacks did trade Paul Goldschmidt to the Cardinals, who, by the way, can't lose, as you know, they still were not expected to be 50 games back of the Giants. The Diamondbacks are also 49 104. I just want to make sure that you're with me on the math here. When you are 50 games back of a team, the way you get one game back of a team is you both play and one of you wins and one of you loses. You're then a game back. Then the next day, You lose, and they win your two games back. 50 days this year. 50. That's almost two months of the season. It's almost a third of the season. If the season were 150 games, it would be a third of the season. The Giants won, and the Diamondbacks lost. It's almost incredible to say. While preparing for the show, I said, Coca, were we ever that bad? He reminded me we lost 100 games in 2013. And I remembered. The only time I ever lost 100 games. Lost 100 on the nose. 62 and 100. As I recall, Coca, we had to win our last game of the season not to lose 101. I believe we lost our 100th game on the day before the season ended. So we were 61 and 100 with one game to play And we had a risk to lose over 100. I wanted to win the last two and only lose 99 games. Or maybe we had to sweep the last three. And we were 60 and 100 and then won the last two games. It was something like that. If you look at the game logs in 2013. But never lost more than 100. The Diamondbacks and Orioles have 104 losses with nine games to play. That's bad. As president of that team. I'm thinking to myself, what am I doing here? How are the managers doing? Well, Brandon Hyde and Tori Lavullo just got their contracts extended. It was just announced that both Brandon Hyde and Tori Lavullo will be back in 2022. Now, Hyde had an extension given to him earlier in the season. I always liked our managers not to be on a lame duck year because in order to have a voice in the clubhouse in order to control a clubhouse, you actually need to not be a lame duck. The Yankees have the opposite view. They have people on lame ducks all the time, though it appears that maybe Jeter's changing that. He used to bring the Yankee way to Florida. I think Mattingly may be signed for an extra year, or maybe his option was only picked up for one more year. So he's going to be a lame duck again. Although Jeter's a lame duck next year too. Interestingly enough, it's his fifth year. In any case, I never liked that concept. Because I wanted managers not to be thinking about their job. I wanted them to be thinking about getting the most they can out of their team. But the lesson I'm learning now about managers, given where analytics currently reside, given where the power of baseball currently resides, which is in the front office, not on the field, not in the manager's office. Managers, as it turns out, they are merely pods. They are flow-through entities through which the front office makes decisions both during the game, before the game, and after the game. They are messengers. Brandon Hyde is not the reason the Orioles lost a buck four. Tori, Lavallo is not the reason the Diamondbacks lost a buck four. And the GM of the Diamondbacks, Mike hasn't actually, Hazen, Hazen or Hazen, Hazen, actually admitted as such. He said, I knew what we were doing. I knew the talent level we had. I'm evaluating the manager based on the expectation. And the reasonable expectation is that we stink. Therefore, we're going to keep him around. But I don't want you all to be fooled. There is zero chance that Hyde or Lavallo." will be the manager of their respective teams when those teams are in their next cycle of winning. It's the most remarkable thing that we do as baseball executives. We hire managers to oversee the crap. And then when it gets good, we bring in more experienced different managers. That's what rebuilding teams do. The equivalent is when I told you about what happens with agents, where agents are with players And then when the players start making money, those players go to a different agent. That's what we do as presidents. Why pay a manager a ton of money when you know your team's going to lose a hundo? But then you have to be good enough to know when your team's not going to lose a hundo. You have to be good enough to know when the window is open and you need to pounce. You need to be good enough to recognize when your young pitching is mature enough to win and when you have enough of it and you have to complement it with some bats, you do it and then you go for it. You have to be good enough to not be delusional. You have to be self-aware enough. And that is a trait that is not common in baseball. So Hyde and Torrey were managers that in theory were on the chopping block. Well, I've got a wait to see for you. And I'm going to end this week with a wait to see and we'll revisit it. I'm setting the over-under for managerial firings after the season at 2.1. I did that purposely, obviously. 2.1 is the over-under. I'm going under. Everyone thinks there'll be a ton of managerial firings? No, because managers are not the reason why teams stink anymore. Take the under of 2.1 in the number of firings after the season. You wait to see, no matter what the articles say about all the different managers on the hot seat. This has been another week, folks. I hope you enjoy your weekend. Be safe. Thank you for listening to Nothing Personal all week and downloading. And remember, you know it. It's just business. You're still the manager, Brandon. It's Nothing Personal.
1: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why?